it's great to have that, this session with you, Heng. Um, and uh, actually, I think a lot of people are, are very interested in um, that you're coming back into the uh, family business. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, Hua um, actually in Hong Kong is like a household name. Thank you. Um, to a lot of people. And uh, of course, um, uh, from your father <coughs> mm -hmm. to your sister to you, um, a lot of people are very interested in knowing um, how uh, much changes is it in the leadership of mm. Wa Kuang mm. and uh, how do you see yourself is different from um, uh, your, your father and your sister because obviously <coughs> your father has been a very successful mm -hmm. um, uh, shipping business person and then your sister she is famous for being very passionate mm -hmm. um, and um, yes uh, what would you see yourself as different from them? Well I think as a private enterprise um, Going forward, the most important thing is stability and continuity, but also innovation. Um, I think Huakong, from the time of my grandfather, to my father, to Sabrina, to myself, we have always um, put a lot of stress on being a conservative investor, mm. um, because I think only with care, really putting a lot of attention on preserving value of the company and of our assets and making the right choices and also going to the market at the right time. Can we have lasting power within the market? But at the same time, my father has always demonstrated that um, sometimes the best opportunities come when the market is bad. Mm. So I think this blend of being conservative and being careful and entrepreneurialism and being a little bit opportunistic is really the key to to Wapong. Um, the sort of changes that we are witnessing in global shipping at the moment, it's really something that maybe the industry as a whole has never experienced, not since maybe the transition from manpower ships to industrialized ships. Mm -hmm. It's the same sort of paradigm leap that we're going through with environmentalism, with digital and technological disruptions. And therefore, I think equally, without abandoning the Indeed, sticking to the core values of the company, this balance I refer to about being conservative and being opportunistic, we have to be forward-looking and we have to exercise the right judgment and hopefully make the right call. Right. And actually, um, when you're talking about it, I was thinking that um, you mentioned to me about uh, these Wakong lights. Mm -hmm. And actually, I have uh, also read something about it. And uh, of course, for ship owner, um, traditional ship owner, mm -hmm. uh, all along actually is been using your term of Wakong light is actually very capital heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, with these um, Wakong lights, then uh, actually, could you explain a little bit more on what is Wakong light and how is it going to help Wakong mm -hmm. to cope with the current very heavily regulated and yes. very competitive um, situation? I think first of all, uh, Wapong Light is a term coined by um, our former uh, chief executive, um, Dave Palmer. Right. He, when he joined Wapong, he really came with a mindset to help us to articulate what the company is about, mm -hmm. but also what we're not doing and where we could potentially squeeze value out of our know-how and our expertise. And one of the areas that we identify collectively is that Wakong as a traditional ship owner, as you said, we have always been focusing on um, uh, asset intensive sort of uh, investment. Mm -hmm. But in terms of our know-how, for example, our international relationships, our networks in China, in Japan, 
um, our ability to manage and take delivery of good ships, indeed build good ships in yards around the world, mm -hmm. these are things that Wakong would do well. And therefore, in the beginning, Wakong Light was really a term coined to distinguish ourselves right. from the so-called Wakong Heavy. So it's a negative definition in the way. Mm -hmm. But what we have done over the past um, 12 to 18 months is start to spell out some of our core co competencies and articulate um, how the so-called Wakong Light come down to specific business practices or new business models that could be applied. And at this moment in time, without exhausting the gamut of possibility of Wakong Light could be, because there are many things I think yes. we could do under this umbrella, um, the one thing, the one aspect of our expertise that we are starting to do, um, exploit quite heavily, it's in what we call integrated ship asset management. Right. So that involves uh, new building supervision, um, technical management, operational management and sometimes commercial management. We provide all these range of services to um, our strategic partners. All right. Yes. So it's kind of like a very comprehensive one-stop solution. Yes. Um, yes. That um, then basically you are taking over all the chores yes. uh, from your customers. That's to make right. It, um, uh, hassle-free for them. Yes. Then what about um, uh, the uh, lessors? Mm. Uh, because I think uh, when you talk about uh, Wakong Lights, then actually it comes also to the uh, uh, issue of that for the past maybe whole decade that um, the it seems like the liquidity, the capital in the market has been um, actually at a quite a low level, mm. if not even drying up. Mm. So um, now uh, with the new lessors coming into the marketplace, then actually um, how do we see them? Because on one hand, they are providing capital um, yes. to owners. On the other hand, they are the owner themselves. Mm -hmm. So um, at the same time, they are not really uh, into the uh, ship management uh, mm -hmm. business. So would you see this kind of uh, lessors um, that they are um, new owners competing mm -hmm. with Wapong as owner, or would you see them as um, customers? Actually, they do not really know about shipping and their entire need of your service. I wouldn't say that. I would say um, a lot of these financial leasing institutions that come into shipping today, mainly from China, come with a lot of expertise right. and they come with a lot of uh, perspective mm. on what other financial owners have done over the past decades and they think they have learned a lot from these historic lessons mm. and therefore they're very careful in the selection of assets in many cases right. and they build their own team with highly qualified um, shipping professionals, but they also engage uh, like-minded um, companies that share similar values mm. like Wakong as partners. So I'm very glad to say that Wakong during this period of uh, really quite rapid growth for Chinese financial leasing companies, we have come in as uh, a partner for a number of these financial leasing institutions and the way in which we work together, mm. I'm sure that's something you're interested okay. to, it's, uh, it's multi-tiered. We yes. are not simply customers to them and they're not simply customers to us. Mm. Sometimes we uh, provide the services in new building supervision, technical management when they need it. Mm. If there's an opportunity, if they're looking for someone to uh, charter in their ships and when we see a commercial opportunity, Wacom could do that too. Right. Fantastic. It and of course, like they also provide capital to us <laughs> when we order new ships. Yes. It sounds like a very complicated relationship, but actually... Synergistic. Yeah, Synergistic. Yes. Now, um, I know that you are very passionate about two things, actually on 
actually on these two things, I think uh, we had uh, quite a number of uh, various discussions over yes. uh, different occasions. Uh, now, uh, one is on Greater Bay Area, mm. uh, which of course is a major initiative um, between among these 11 cities. Yes. Uh, and then on the other hand is the uh, talent development. Mm. Um, and of course, I mean, uh, for all industries, uh, when it comes to the future of the industry, um, then the talents, the people, is yes. actually very important. Um, now, uh, on these two items, like, um, then do you see the possibility of um, having these two combined, uh, talent development in the Greater Bay Area, and how do you think that um, we could make it work? Mm. I think the Greater Bay Area offers a huge potential, not only for Hong Kong, and not only for the 11 cities involved in the Greater Bay Area, but indeed for all of China, and I would say for Asia and for the rest of the world as well. But if we look simply at the coming together of Hong Kong and the Guangdong area, mm. we have a complete maritime ecosystem that covers ship finance, that covers shipbuilding, owners of course, charters, mm. shipyards, and all the other service providers. And there are not many places in the world that can offer this complete maritime ecosystem. Hong Kong, we have a very strong foundation in ship finance and mm. ship owning. Of course, we have a lot of uh, uh, ship service providers. Hong Kong has a fantastic rule of law and Hong Kong Maritime as a potential center of maritime um, arbitration mm. is becoming increasingly recognized. But there are other aspects along the entire value chain, such as manufacturing mm. and indeed future talent, education, where Hong Kong doesn't necessarily have a competitive edge over the rest of the other nine to ten cities mm. within the Greater Bay Area. And by coming together, I think there is a possibility not only to combine the advantages of Hong Kong and Shenzhen and the rest of the Greater Bay Area, but I think it's one plus one equals much more than two. Mm. It could be potentially a game changer in my point of view. And more particularly, if we look at Hong Kong today, just using maritime education and training as an example, mm. some of the most important um, ship managers have important operations and indeed their headquarters in Hong Kong. Right. We, for example, can mention the likes of Wollum, with a very long history in Hong Kong, Anglo-Eastern, of course, Fleet, um, and there are also Chinese-based, Chinese-owned uh, major ship managers. Right. But where are the people coming from who come in as superintendents to manage ships? Who are the people and where are the people coming in to help run the ships on board the vessels? Mm -hmm. The answer is most of them are not from Hong Kong. Oh. But Hong Kong has done a lot of important experimentation in the way in which we bring the industry, education and research together. And some of these expertise vested in the likes of MSTI does not service a huge market of human talent, frankly speaking, at this mm. moment in time. But if we can move this model mm. to the Great Bay Area, mm. then I think we're looking at the potential impact that is far greater. Right. Yes. So no. I think it's very much an yes. integral part of the Great Bay Area possibility. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Um, on this, actually, I would like to ask another follow-up question yes. on the talent development. Yes. 
um, that uh, especially in big cities like Hong Kong, mm. um, and I think for the uh, greater Bay area, that actually I think is applicable to places, for example, Guangzhou and Shenzhen, um, that um, for the younger people, mm. actually they see uh, more career op opportunities uh, in other industries, mm. whereas um, they see the shipping industry actually is some uh, very um, old, mm. matured mm. industry. Um, and um, if you ask them, uh, probably in high school or in university, then mm. they'll be talking about uh, having a career in, for example, financial services, mm. technology, all that. Mm. How could you um, attract um, more talents to be interested in the industry? Well, I think first of all, shipping can do with an image makeover. Mm. I think we suffer unfairly for an overly traditional perception of our industry. Um, all the things you mentioned, mm. financial industry, um, even service industry, innovation, technology, what sort of relationship do they have with the maritime industry? The answer to that is we are completely integrated. Mm. If we look at Hong Kong's core advantages as a maritime city and as a maritime hub, the first two things I would say that are at the core of our value it's not necessarily ship owning, it's not necessarily all the ex expertise, all the very important that we have in ship management, in provision of shipping related services, brokerage, all of these are very important, but I would say the most important things. It's the business environment as created by the legal environment. Mm. So I would say law and the rule of law is number one. And two, it's a unique financial uh, environment that Hong Kong has. Right. For example, the preferential tax regime um, that the Hong Kong government is creating for shipping finance, which makes Hong Kong very attractive as a shipping center. And going forward, I think it's very important for young people to look at shipping, not simply as a career on board the ships. For a lot of people, perhaps, having that experience will stand them in very good stead in the longer term, in having a career in a shipping company like Wakwa. Mm. They could become our operations director, they could become our management directors. Um, so I think that in itself is very important, but look beyond that. Mm. Maritime law, maritime financial services, bro brokers, and even technological development, right. IT, um, development of digital platforms, innovation, environmental tech, all of these are critical aspects as we go forward into the 21st century of shipping. I totally agree with you. And actually, I think um, that could even be expanded to, for example, the cruise industry, Absolutely. the yachting industry, yes. and um, is ocean industry, blue industry. Yes. Now, uh, going back to uh, Wa Kuang, um, now Wa Kuang is very big on the uh, dry bulk and tanker uh, business. And um, Asia, China has been the locomotive on this um, mm. for the past long time. Mm -hmm. Now, um, how do you see Wa Kuang yourself uh, being based out from Hong Kong, um, being benefited mm -hmm. from with this uh, proximity mm -hmm. um, to these um, uh, industry market demand driven um, yes. countries and area? Yes. Um, well, I think there are several different parts to it. If you look at uh, across the value chain of shipping, from shipbuilding to uh, cargo, uh, to uh, finance, uh, financial leasing, China plays a very important role in all of these different chains along the value. 
a lot of value chain. And I think being in Hong Kong, being close to China, give us proximity to the latest information. And I think the important thing is for someone like Hong Kong and indeed for many other shipping companies based in Hong Kong, we continue to serve as a bridge between mainland China and the international community. Right. And I think it's by understanding the requirements of China, the needs of China, and new trade routes, which increasingly China will have uh, a role to play, mm. and the rest of the world, that we generate value and find our positioning within this global industry. Right. We have um, talked about um, the uh, market driving force in yes. Asia, in China, and also in Greater Bay Area, and also talent development. Now, um, how um, do you see the market uh, in the in the future? What kind of opportunity and challenges that you are seeing, um, and that um, how you are coping with it? Well, I think there are short term, long term, and longer term challenges. In the short term, I think there are a lot of uh, market uncert uncertainties that all ship owners mm. and shipping companies have to navigate. I would say middle to medium term is what sort of ships we're going to invest in with all the regulations and all the new technological interruptions, mm. disruptions. Um, ships that we buy today, what sort of value are they going to have in seven years time, mm. in 10 years time, yes. in 15 years time? As a ship owner, we need to think ahead. And sometimes we are looking through a haze, a fog, as we sail through this ocean of uncertainties mm -hmm. and it's not easy to make these decisions and therefore I think a point that came out in the panel I was part of just now is that the exercise of caution, of reason, of logic and of discipline right. is really going to be very important for ship owners in the short to medium term. Mm -hmm. In the longer term shipping will always be the most effective way to move cargoes mm -hmm. around the world. Yes. And no matter what happens everywhere in the world, shipping will remain mm -hmm. and the opportunities will remain. So in the longer term, Wakong, we're very much optimistic. Mm, fantastic. That actually is what amazed me on um, how long the cycle or the, uh, or the uh, planning you need to do for, a shipping in the, for the shipping industry. Indeed. And uh, now uh, one item is I am all 2020 uh, and also equipped very well be the uh, 2050 yes. uh, gas emission requirement. Um, now, um, there are a lot of discussion on this already, but still I cannot resist to ask you this question. Now, um, how do you see these uh, requirements, 2020 sulfur cap, 2050 gas emission? Do you, s do you think they are realistic um, or feasible? Mm -hmm. And um, of course, um, no matter how you see it, I think uh, actually all the ship owners have yes. to meet with these requirements. Yes. Then uh, how is your Wakong um, uh, going to deal with it? Yes. Um, I think there are three parts of the question. The first is uh, IMO 2020, mm -hmm. Southern Cap. Um, Wakong, as with all responsible um, shipping companies, we're ready. Mm -hmm. um, more than three quarters of uh, the ships in our fleet are compliant fuel ready. We have cleaned the tanks and we are ready for transition. So for us, IMO 2020 is not even part of the question. Mm. We have to be ready yes. because it's uh, just less than a couple of months away. Um, looking f further down the road, 2030 is a really intermediate milestone compared to right. 2050. Um, as a lot of people have said in various forums, if we adopt slow steaming, 
for a significant part of the global fleet, we can probably meet the 2030 mm. uh, carbon emission reduction target. However, if everyone decides to do that, what will happen in 2050? We are not going to be ready in mm. 2050. So I think whether or not we are going to be ready for 2050 is really a collective decision dependent on the collective mindset, not only of ship owners, mm. but other players, including um, the bunker suppliers, including the charterers, um, including the regulators, to see how we can put our collective wisdom and come out with a way that can benefit not only shipping, but the world at large. Mm. Because I think we are living today in a climate of increasing uh, Global warming, some people call it, some people don't believe it, but certain climatic challenges to humanity mm -hmm. is something we cannot ignore in the 21st century. And ship owners and shipping industry have to embrace this challenge. Right. Yeah. I would like to ask a follow-up question here, <clears throat> because uh, when for the past two, three years, actually, when we've, whenever we talk about solar yes. cap, um, I think there is certain level of uh, bitterness mm. from the uh, ship owners about um, this um, uh, requirement, and some would say, um, actually, uh, IMO was putting this um, requirement on uh, without much consultation with the industry, um, or quite one-sidedly. Uh, do you agree with it? And actually, um, now, um, no, how do you see it could be improved? the yes. um, communication between IMO and also the ship owners and the industry? Well, first of all, I wasn't in the business really when the IMO 2020 regulation was drafted. Mm -hmm. That was a long time back. Correct. Um, ship owners, in a way, had a long time to prepare. Mm -hmm. um, however, there have always been a lot of uncertainties yes. and the solutions did not present themselves until fairly late in time. Okay. Could ship owners have done more to collectively engage IMO to maybe find a better solution. I think maybe we could have, but then something like IMO 2020 is also fairly unprecedented. Mm -hmm. So I would rather um, look forward, not criticize the decisions that have been mm -hmm. made in the past, okay. but take a lesson from what we have learned in this process and say that ship owners as a whole, we should look forward to 2030, look forward to 2050 as an environmental target that not only we as an industry, but the world as a whole, um, is something that we have to live up to, and it's uh, something that would be good for the world at large, and we try to come up with a better solution. Fantastic. I think um, this is the, the attitude, the positive attitude yes. that I think the industry is needed uh, to deal with the issue. Now to conclude our discussions, now I think um, the industry sees that you are pioneer uh, a, a new role model. Uh, no matter it's Wagon Light or other areas uh, to the industry um, to work things in a smarter way. Um, now, um, uh, how would you see that um, yourself in concluding this? Um, what would you say to, um, to recap um, your um, strategies going ahead on this? First of all, thank you for the compliment. I would say Wagon, we're still quite conservative um, as a shipping company. Um, the new management model that I referred to earlier in our conversation is still something quite new. Mm -hmm. We have been on this road for maybe two years, maybe a little bit more, but we're still very much new in this game. So we have a huge amount to learn, but at the same time, we realize that what you refer to as Wakong Light um, still holds 
a huge amount of possibility beyond just provision of ship management related services, um, however broad that is. So I think going forward, there's still much that could be explored. And I think innovation really needs to be embraced by the shipping community as a whole to navigate the uh, uncertain winds of the future. Fantastic. It's been a very uh, pleasant uh, 30 minutes and also let me to have a much better chance to understand um, your whole um, leadership philosophy. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I hope that um, the uh, audience will be able to uh, make, use it, make use of it and um, uh, to sh shed some lights on the, what the industry will be uh, heading to. Thank That's you. very kind of you. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you.